Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business, and I think we've done it. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset that was originally used in the Gutenberg Press. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. Everything else was printed in regular type. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify Black Letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Welcome to Black Letter, the podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Today, we are Black Letter on the Road. And with me, I've got Rolando Diaz, an attorney with Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig, and Tracy Pearson, also an attorney with Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig. Both of the, uh, these two attorneys are Delaware counsel. And their principal practice is either working with companies on corporate filings in Delaware, incorporating in Delaware, or uh, serving as local counsel or lead counsel for a huge number of outside law firms and companies that need counsel in Delaware. And why Delaware? Well, we're going to find out. A lot of companies headquartered here, a lot of cases happening here, especially in the last year in the patent realm because of the TC Heartland case. And well, let's go to the experts to learn some more. So welcome, Ron and Tracy. Thanks for joining me in the studio today and our listeners. So Ron, let's, let's kick off. We were talking before the show a little bit about why people incorporate in Delaware. And I find it sort of fascinating. You talk to hundreds of companies, literally hundreds of companies about incorporation. And because you're a Delaware attorney and you, you had a good example, you said, well, why do people incorporate here? And I know one reason is that venture capital companies like it, but can you tell me a little bit more? What's the, what's the value of Delaware? Why do people come to you? Why do they think they want to incorporate here? Tell me the whole thing. Well, some people think that um, there are all these uh financial advantages that they're going to, that Delaware doesn't have any tax because actually what they often talk about is they'll hear that there's no sales tax here. So they think that it's like Texas and there's no well, income so, tax. But that doesn't yeah. help them, right? No, because it doesn't. Because they get charged sales tax wherever they're selling stuff. Correct. Right. <laughs> but okay. that's actually one of the things that with, uh, with uh, especially people who are planning on selling goods. But then for the, the tech people, sometimes right. they, they actually have a real thing is when about the money coming in. They're actually going to be raising money from uh, sophisticated investors or venture capitalists. There's a sort of an expectation, almost a Delaware branding, regardless if that actually has any benefit for them as far as legally, it does give them an advantage as far as an attractiveness to investment. So why do you think venture capital companies and sophisticated investors want a Delaware entity? Because I know that's true. We've seen that time and again where a company has to file and convert to a Delaware company. Right. But why do they want it? What's the benefit of Delaware to a venture capital firm? Well, for them, here's the other thing I think about is when you're actually talking about uh, investing money, you're actually managing risk. And Delaware is seen as a very stable court system with an extensive body of corporate law. So for a VC, it is actually a legitimate concern for them or investor if they kind of see that there's less, uh, like, I don't want to name other states, but some people look at certain places. We as, won't name those other states. <laughs> yeah, that looking at their uh, court system as being uh, oppressive uh, or... Um, Ooh, what's an oppressive state? No, we won't. Yeah, we I, we I don't want to hurt any other <laughs> yeah. states. 
But so, so the idea then is that Delaware is a good place because there's a big body of corporate law and they can, it hedges their risk because investors can know sort of the outcome of right. what a contract, what will happen with a contract. Or with, if they take investment dollars under an agreement, the agreement's going to be honored in Delaware. They know what's going to happen. Is that, and so Tracy, I, is that about right? Yeah, jump sure. in. Sure. And if sure. I could chime in, um, Delaware is one of the few states that we have a court of chancery, okay. um, which is where they handle matters in equity. So it's a totally um, equitable court. And well, so they, let's just pause there because that's. You know, if you're not a lawyer who, pra- even if you're a lawyer who hasn't practiced in a state with equity, so Virginia used to have law and equity as well, which is weird, but they merged. And in most states, law and equity have merged. But can you just explain what a court of equity is and what equity means versus a court of law? Because that's a confusing concept for eh, 98% of earth, probably. Yes. In terms of equitable relief, it's something that is not written in the statute on the books. So there is some reason you're asking the court um, to grant you relief. You're asking the court to do something instead of give you money, right? Is yes. that essentially Although it? Although it could be money as well. Okay. So, but it could also be injunctive relief. So when we mention injunctive relief, we're talking about um, where we want to force somebody to do something right. or we want somebody to prevent to them right. Right, to stop from doing something. So let me something. ask you, this is how I remembered it in Virginia. And I don't know if it's the same in Delaware before we merged, but if you wanted just money, you go to court of law. But if you want somebody to stop doing something or you want to make somebody do something and money, you go to court of chancery, court of equity. In Delaware, you can bring uh, you can bring it in Superior Court too, but it depends. You basically have to get the court's permission. So you can bring so, a pure money case in Chancery in Delaware. There was some thought that they should be separated, like meaning that they should that that say like in bankruptcy where they stay part of it. So you're saying in Delaware that there is cases where you can bring a purely legal case in a court of Chancery. It's sort of unique if it's related, but that you can get permission for it, you know, cause I don't even like, we don't use the rules that much to see yeah. it. And the same thing where you, you talked about in Virginia, you just said having both together, you can still get that through chancery or you can get it through a superior court too. Okay. You know? So you can get equitable relief in a court There's of law. There's a in lot of yes. concurrent jurisdiction. Okay. Yeah. okay. So you can do that. So how do you pick between chancery and law if you have a Delaware case? You're a corporation. You need to sue someone and you've the got judge's expertise, yes, not to say that- the judicial oh, expertise in the court of chancery. So that is a huge incentive um, for companies. And they also have- So you're not saying they're better Arbitration judges. procedures. They have- Experienced a, in corporate law. Yes. Okay. So uh, the chancellors, I mean, they hear hundreds and thousands- Of, of corporate cases. Of corporate cases. So they have this unique judicial expertise. So that's another reason a company might want to be here, because they know that this judicial expertise exists in addition to the body of law. It's just a, right. it's a system. And each court has different procedures for arbitration. Okay. So um, in Delaware, we have our superior court is the court of general jurisdiction here. Okay. And since we're a smaller state, we don't have an intermediary appellate court, so it's um, straight to our state Supreme Court, Supreme court for okay. an appeal. But I know Superior Court also has its own arbitration as well, and then Chancery, they have their own rules and gotcha. arbitration proceedings. Well, let's jump then, since we're in the court world, let's jump a little bit to local counsel. So Delaware is like 
the place recently for corporate lawsuits and now for patent cases because of this TC Heartland case that came out that our DBL was counsel on, but that says that you have to sue somebody where their corporate headquarters is or substantial business operations. And that's forced a lot of patent cases to be filed in Delaware because corporate headquarters are here. So with that in mind, people are looking for local counsel. What's the deal? I'm going to just say, what's the deal with local counsel in Delaware? How does it work? What, what, do the, what do other attorneys have to know about hiring local counsel? Well, Tom, it's in, in Delaware, um, there is no such thing as local counsel. Heard so, that before. Um, okay. And that was, that is by one of the, um, the court of chancery has stated, Delaware counsel is essentially co-counsel. Okay. So they is that don't, in federal court as well? That is in federal court as well. Yes. Okay. Delaware um, does not allow out-of-state attorneys to even submit an informal letter to the wow. court. Okay. So everything has to be from Delaware Council. Delaware Council has to be present in every single aspect of the case, at every single... Including depositions. Including depositions. So every document that's filed comes from Delaware local counsel, which is not really local. Get yes. it? Yes. But that's what other attorneys will call it, Delaware counsel. And every deposition, every motion, every scheduling conferences. Every scheduling everything. conference. Yes. So it's, it's a, an expensive endeavor to bring a case in Delaware if you're not, if you don't have a Delaware firm or Delaware local that you've got a good relationship with. Is that yes, absolutely. So you had a story. You said... You were a clerk in the Delaware Court of Chancery, and you saw uh, a local counsel thing happen. Now, you've, you serve as local counsel now, but I really liked your story. Share, share with me that story, because I didn't hear it. Yes. Well, I was doing my clerkship requirements um, for the Delaware Bar, and I was sitting observing a hearing in the Court of Chancery, and there was local counsel um, mm -hmm. was called up to the podium. And the chancellor, who I'm not going to name, and the firm, it was a large Delaware firm, also not going to name the firm. The chancellor lectured this poor attorney for the, the about- The Delaware attorney? The Delaware attorney oh, wow. for 15 minutes. Um, and the complaint was, was there was 10-point font in the brief that was being presented in the footnotes. Oh. So that's the level of detail that- It's got to be 12 point in the footnotes, It's huh? got to be 12 point in the footnotes. So that's the level of detail yeah. that they require and that they expect the local rules to so, be followed. And so just so I understand, that Delaware attorney didn't draft the pleading- the other counsel did, but they had to look at it and they missed that. And I guess that's the point right. that the court doesn't expect that there's maybe that uh, relationship. relationship. They're holding you, you, Ron and Tracy, as Delaware counsel responsible for everything that your outside counsel is doing. Yes. Got and it. the chancellor also stated um, that they have a little black book of firms. Oh, wow. Okay. So Is behind that, that's the scenes, a bad book or a good that's book? a bad book. You don't you want don't to be in the black book. This attorney was given a lecture saying, you've been warned the next time there's a non-conforming uh, filing, you're at risk of being in this book. So, oh my God. Do they call it the black book? They, call, they called it the black book. Huh. And um, that terrified me. Yeah. I, as a young attorney, that was You didn't want to be in the black book. Yeah. No, no. Wow. So, and that's what they say is reputation is Delaware. Delaware right now, we have about 3,000 
practicing attorneys in the entire state. It's tiny. Yes. So you guys are a measurable percentage of all the practicing attorneys in the state of Delaware. I, I mean, so, and what do you attribute that to? I, I mean, I know, I think it's, isn't the Delaware bar process sort of unique? It's a, it's a challenging process. So you have so few attorneys. I think we have more than 3,000 attorneys in Northern Virginia, uh, let alone the state of Virginia, probably quadruple that. I think there's something like 20,000 attorneys. So, uh, so what is the Delaware bar process? Why is it so hard to be a Delaware lawyer? There is a clerkship requirement that you have to actually uh, get licensed in Delaware. So I guess aside from passing the bar, which everybody right. has some, some you know, different bar requirements, um, Delaware has a six-month period that you have to work under the supervision of a Delaware attorney. Um, and in parallel to that, that you can actually start um, while uh, is a list of, I guess, did you, you call it a scavenger hunt? I call kind it a of. scavenger hunt of things you have to do and you have to do a title search. You have to see really? like all these different bankruptcy court proceedings, very specific. You have as to check to, them off as you do you them? You have to check them off. And then wow. you're under also the supervision of a, um, a preceptor who's right. been a member of the bar for over 10 years. And they basically are the ones to move your admission at this huge ceremony. And they're certifying your requirements. That's so, why there's so few attorneys. Yeah. So in besides Delaware. the six months, so like so for a partner that wanted to be barred here, yeah, they'd actually have to be supervised by a Delaware attorney, and they'd have to move work. here for six months. No, well, I guess not. Well, I mean, I guess if you wanted to commute from DC by Acela, that's possible, right? <laughs> but you know what I mean. But, uh, but you have to be. You have to be working you have here, to be practicing under, here yeah. in the state, yeah, for six months. It doesn't have to be continuous, though. Okay, uh, I, and it just has to be completed within a certain amount of years. So they won't let you spread that over ten years, say. Gotcha. Uh, along with that layer of the scavenger hunt. Wow. Which, uh, you know. And there's about, uh, the Delaware bar is generally, it's three days. Um, It's very, very. Which is the last one now since California switched to two. It's it's really challenging. And uh, I know that it has about a 50% pass rate. Wow. So there's only about 100 people that pass each year each year so you guys were two percent of the passing class of the delaware bar at one time so wow you any particular tips for someone who's like hey i've got to incorporate in delaware what what would you say what question do you ask that person when they're like small business business. small business i'm i'm so in this instance i'm a t-shirt company and i'm based in cleveland ohio and i heard that delaware is a good place to incorporate what's your advice to me so I'd ask them, uh, we need to look into uh, whether your activity is going to establish nexus in the state that you're in, because you may think that you're avoiding whatever you thought wasn't a good idea about your state, but you might still be having to pay whatever taxes or fees for your Delaware uh, company. Right. So you're not avoiding any taxes by filing in Delaware. So, and then I guess, um, I guess the other important thing is one of the things that people, especially um, people who don't talk to an attorney and uh, form their company through a service that may have the opportunity to talk to an attorney, but they don't. They just kind of jump the gun or they do it themselves. Do it online. Yeah. yeah there's the, a franchise tax that- uh, Could be massive. It could be massive that basically depends on the amount of shares that you pick as an impact on what you might actually owe before you do anything. Meaning so, that you'd owe that regardless if you made zero dollars or even if regardless if you even started business, just yep. because you formed it, you would owe this franchise tax. And that- makes the, uh, the, those numbers you pick in a company that seem 
so arbitrary. Like, well, okay, ten well, million shares, like ten million shares, thirty million shares, five thousand shares. That actually affects what you might know. Right, the franchise and tax. Those are the two things that. There's some ways around that. I that know. aren't so like they're not specialized legal advice, you know. But it's just something that so people you, do. You guys miss. do a lot of reformation filings. We do a lot because people we like get... ah, I can't pay thirty thousand dollars to renew my company. Yeah, our, right? a yeah. lot of our clients come to us after they get the tax bill, and they say, "Wait a minute, we haven't done anything yet. We haven't. How could this be that we owe ten thousand dollars to the state of Delaware?" So. Delaware calculates their corporate tax in two different ways. So okay. we, uh, they always do a standard way based on your number of shares, mm-hmm. and that yields the highest tax, which if you don't question that- And just pay it. And just pay they're it. They're making money. You don't realize that there's an alternate way. So you need to way. look at your Delaware tax bill closely because there's another way to calculate. Correct. Yes. Gotcha. And that's on par value. Is that right? The other way? Par, it's an assumed par value yeah. method. Um, yeah. So the APVM. No, I just made that up. Oh, because I was never refer to it <laughs> that yeah, way. The assumed but. par value method, the APVM. That's what we do. We make acronyms. Um, I, was, I was a government employee for a while. I can't help it. Sorry. Uh, so Tracy, um, what are one, two, or three things, major things that if I'm an outside counsel coming into Delaware, I'm looking for local counsel, what do I need to know? Just three bullet points. I assume the first thing I need to know, I'm just going to guess, is that there's no such thing as local counsel. I'm hiring a co-counsel. Correct. Yeah. I got that. What are Uh, some other things that I think might, you know, might stumble us? I think it's important that you do your research because even though I may be as a part of local Delaware counsel, it's important to know uh, the type of case that you have that you're filing. I know that for especially our local council patent cases that come through our firm, it's great because we have a huge wealth of patent resources. So um, in terms of sometimes working with council, they'll be like, hey, you know, I need an opinion on this. We can tap into the various resources. So instead of using a, a local divorce lawyer to be your local counsel in a patent case, do a little digging. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. So, Makes sense. Um, you know, making sure that you also have reasonable expectations in terms of um, counsel that you're working with. Some counsel will come to us and say, you know, hey, I want to handle all aspects of the case. So they'll be preparing their motions, their briefs. Um, other counsel will say, hey, I'm going to need some help with this. Right. So here's kind of a bare bones uh, you know, outline of what I want to file, but I need you to totally format it to be compliant. Right. Um, with the local rules. Well, so. they have to remember, you have to read and approve and submit everything under yes. your name. So I think that's a pretty big deal too, right? And that has that practicality of yeah. uh, of getting whatever needs to be filed early enough so that uh, Delaware Council can properly review it. Because I guess in, in some jurisdictions, it's more of just a rubber stamps are like, well, if the deadline's in five minutes, I can just send it to you and you'll file it. And you'll it. just look at it yeah. and file it. Sometimes So they need lead time lead for pleadings time. Yeah. for review. Even if you want to file them last minute, Delaware Council needs them ahead of time. And it's even, it's even the substance of the pleading that matters. Right. So Delaware does not allow you to attack 
opposing parties, opposing counsel. There's got to be a certain decorum and civility um, that Delaware really kind of expects. expects. Judges expect right. that. Um, and if you're not in conformance with that expectation, then you know you can't just tell the judge, "I'm just," but I'm just local counsel. Yeah. Um, you're you gonna, have to read it and make sure it's clean. And the worst case scenario is the court, um, typically the way that it'll happen is if, and again, these are like the egregious scenarios, but right. the judge will call Delaware counsel into the room and they'll say, you better be ready to go and try this case. So Good times. Y- yeah. So you have to be ready to try the whole case. Yeah. So, so you walk out with your face white and, you know, that's a hard conversation. I've never been in that situation, but we've... Because we're prepared. <laughs> we've been um, we've been warned. Um, I know that that comes up in a lot of the CLEs that, that we do, yeah. and it's a big topic. Thank you guys for joining today, the Black Letter Podcast. Thank you to the audience, our listeners. Download us wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes or Google Play. We'll see you next time on the Black Letter Podcast. Uh, And if you have more questions about Delaware local council or corporate stuff, give Ron and Tracy a call. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play so you never miss an episode. And to catch us on video, check out our website at blackletterstudios.com. 